Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. My name is Jeffrey Zakarian, and you're listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian from iHeartRadio. In Four Courses, I'll be taking you along for the ride while I talk with the top talent of our time. In each conversation, I focus on four different areas from my guest's life and career. And during those four courses, I'm going to dig deep and uncover new insights and inspirations that we can all use to fuel ourselves to push forward. My guest for this episode is the man who many credit with putting the clothing brand Gap on the map. He went on to found Old Navy, run J. Crew, and even designed the first Apple store for Steve Jobs. His success in turning around clothing companies earned him the nickname The Merchant Prince. Without further delay, let's get into my conversation with my good friend, Mickey Drexler. You're looking good, man. Thank you. I'm wearing Alex Mills. Can you see this? For our first course, I wanted to learn about Mickey's upbringing in the Bronx and how the flavors of his childhood home helped shape his taste in clothing years later. I know you love food, and I knew you as the boss of Gap first, but then I realized you're a foodie. Um, so where did that come from? Like when you were in your house, well, I know your mom passed um, tragically when you were 16, but like, what were the smells emanating out of your house that it came from somewhere, just like your love of clothes came from somewhere. What do you remember about like sort of the visceral smells of the food cooking in your house and who was cooking basically? <laughs> That's a funny question. No, no one ever asked me that, but you know what I remember most, and I'm not even sure I have the right name, sweet and sour meatballs. And they smelled, my grandmother made them 
And that's what I remember most. But, you know, when you say a foodie, uh, I did, when I was a kid, my, my aunts who cooked for me mostly uh, after my mother passed and then my mom before, everything came out of the freezer. Everything would come out of the freezer. So I, I really wasn't. I think as I got older, I just like quality. Uh, I always wanted quality in my life. So liking good food is part of liking clothes or cars or people. Uh, it's a standard I have. When I started to change Gap, it was always a matter of good taste should not cost anything extra. Now, maybe in food it does because the cut of the steak is maybe important, but uh, it's just the way I, 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 I changed and I evolved in my life. Who doesn't love, I don't know anyone who doesn't love good food, really. Uh, and it's harder and harder sometimes to find good food. Um, but it was not my family cooking for me, guaranteed. But you so, remember <laughs> sweet and sour. Yeah, I guess the soup smelled nice. It was a homey smell. It was, you know, the, the, the emotion that emanated from a good smell was more important than the food itself. And that was always important to me. So is anyone in that time that you remember, say, after your mom passed, that, that critical time in your life that really sort of put their arm around you and sort of guided you, your dad or someone who was there to sort of like help you succeed, help you become an adult? Well, my dad, frankly, didn't pay much attention to me, never did. He uh, was self-centered. Uh, he wasn't a kind, easy affectionate person. And we, my mother was ill for many years before she passed on. So I, I never had a father who really did that. Mm -hmm. uh, I was always uh, kind of self-driven. My aunts, my three aunts who took care of me were wonderful and I loved them. But the irony in a family like mine with eight cousins growing up in the Bronx, I was the only one who went to college, uh, which was very surprising to this day, but I, I was driven partly because my dad, I was the opposite. I didn't want to be him. Mm. And when I didn't want to be him, that means I had to be successful. I had to have a much better job. Uh, and a lot of that drove me because I'd, I'd work with him and he worked in a coat manufacturing company and I used to work in the shipping room and I took the payroll uh, one day to the bank and of course, I went through the entire payroll for the whole company. And I saw that he was among one of the lowest paid people in the company. And it devastated me because he would always try to be, uh, big shots may be the wrong word, but might be the right word. And I'll never forget that day in my life. And it was all very motivating to get out of here and do something else and not be with him per se. Uh, so no one really guided me. I, I guess I was an ambitious kid. You know, it's hard to explain certain things. And I, I wanted to be successful. And that, I think, uh, was partially him not being. And not being the kindest, nicest person in the world. I guess you're not supposed to say things like this on podcasts. But, no. you know, that was my father. And, you know, that was the hand I was dealt. Thank God for my aunts who, who mothered me. Uh, incredibly well for the rest of my teenage years, et cetera. 
Well, you certainly went, I believe, from the Bronx to Buffalo to Boston to Bloomies, the four Bs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so your dad was in, he was in the rag business also. He was, he, he was in the coat business, the button business. So it wasn't, I mean, the apple it was there, maybe, you know, not the exact apple, right? I think that's true. He, he bought buttons and piece goods. And uh, I worked in the garment business as a kid on, on Saturdays, uh, holidays and all that. And I took it seriously. I find a lot of people, you know, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I, I ask all the uh, young people and older people who I meet and interview, what did their parents do? And you do see a trend in a creative sense, which I include your world in, is that uh, someone would play music, they dance, they cook, they did art. And more likely than not, the apple does not fall far from the tree. Uh, which is, I don't know if that's true in, in the food world, but uh, definitely uh, I find it uh, true in other worlds. Well, my smell, Mickey, was rice pilaf mm. because <laughs> I was raised by three aunts as well. And all they did was cook at breakfast. They talked about lunch. At lunch, they talked about dinner. And at dinner, they talked about the next day. That smell, I can, I remember it to this day. If I close my eyes, I know what the house smells like, the rug smells like. And I asked that question because I think, like you said, it's more important than the apple. It's really, it is what, you know, you can't help not feel that and, and suck it in. It just comes back somehow, right? In our second course, I had to hear how Mickey transformed his drive for success into a thriving retail career. It turns out Mickey discovered his knack for fashion almost by accident when he took a job as a buyer for Bloomingdale's after getting passed over elsewhere. And, you know, you start looking at your life and you, and you look back and you say, all these moments change you dramatically. I was very, very lucky. And I do believe that all of us are given a certain skill that we have to live our lives. For me, I went to Bloomingdale's, interestingly enough, because when I worked at A&S, they offered my good friend $500 more in salary. And I was furious because I worked at A&S for a summer job and they knew me. So I was really upset. I went to work at Bloomingdale's. I was very lucky. I, worked for, I didn't work for this woman, Katie Murphy. She was the fashion director. Katie uh, uh, and I hung out for two years. We go to Europe together, we go to the markets. Uh, she would have probably been the CEO if she weren't a woman in those days. She had a great eye, a great instinct, uh, and I loved her dearly. Um, and so uh, it all, a lot of it came naturally. My first, my second day at Bloomingdale's, they assigned me to be a buyer. And I loved what I did. And it was very, I was very successful. I went to the market every day and I picked goods out. I had a budget. My boss, Stanley Stern, a wonderful guy, but it wasn't like bosses then paid attention to what you did per se, but he was a great guy. I, I just, it just took off in terms of my career, but if after two years or three years, I got bored. I didn't like everyone getting promoted around me, but that's corporations. And you know, corporations aren't the most uh, creative uh, places in the world ever. And so I made a move to a year and a half at Macy's. Didn't like it there, but I had to make a living. I had a wife to support. I had a rent to pay. And so 
Macy's a year and a half. I left. A&S, four years. I quit. And I'm saying, I don't like this anymore. I spent six or seven years not liking what I did. And then I met the owners of Ann Taylor. And I kept saying, no, I didn't want to do that. I was a little nervous about giving up my safe job, which forget about being nervous about that. I went to become the CEO of Ann Taylor uh, for four wow. years. And, and how old were you? I was uh, 35. And it's uh, just that, incredible. Yeah, that was the beginning of, of my career. And what was nice about it, what was great about it, was I just did it. And they, we had about 25 stores losing a lot of money. Uh, we turned it around dramatically, it became a very hip store. And so I switched the company to Ann Taylor Studio just when I got there. And then we were taken over by an awful big bureaucratic company. I stayed for four years, learned how to do my job. And then I moved to California to run Gap. Did that for 18, 18 years, you know. The rest is history. <laughs> so a lot of people, uh, like Gap was just the ads in Gap. I remember the advertising almost more than I remember the clothes. But what was the premise that made you think that you could have a remarkable effect on how people dressed with this company rather than doing your own thing at that time? Well, it's, it's a Why good question. Gap? I'm basically a conservative person. And uh, in 1983, own things were not like today. You go out, you raise five million, you raise three million. Uh, I didn't think of that. Plus, it wasn't what people did as often. You know, I grew up without any money and I was, would be nervous not to have a salary, which is what I had. And now here I am 50 years later doing my own thing. But by the way, own thing is an interesting comment. If you don't own 51%, it ain't your own thing. Yep. People ought to know that. Yep. So at Gap, I owned five or 6% and I left. I went to J. Crew. I was the biggest shareholder with my own money, but still not the same because private equity owned 90% with their money, which is everyone's money. I owned, I bought 10% of the company with my own money. So the funny thing is, again, I control 10%, but they control 90%. Uh, so your own thing, people ought to remember, <laughs> is only your own thing when you control the financial percent of the company. But uh, I learned at a, at a late age, uh, now I have a company that my son and I own uh, with Samsac, who is our designer. I'll listen to anyone who's smart and gives us feedback but I don't have to listen to someone who has a short-term view of making a profit, especially in, a, in the, well, the restaurant business, I think is the same. Same. Back same. and forth and up and down, you hit a wall, you come back. And uh, so at this uh, later stage of my life, uh, this is kind of what I've wanted for many years to your question of doing your own thing. Yeah, and I, I... I mean, I do my own thing and it's people say, oh, you're an owner, you're this, you have all this. I'm like, you just have no idea. It's just like, uh, you know, at the end of the day on Monday, if there's a cash call, guess who they call? They call you. Right, of course. <laughs> they, <laughs> you know, they don't call the owner and you're like, it's the almost beauty. I always tell people, stay on salary until you're absolutely certain that you have another vein of cash to live off for a certain amount of time because it ain't as easy as you think. And the press 
makes it seem very easy because they want it to be good. They want it to succeed because they need something to write about. And when I learned that these critics are critiquing because they need something to write about it, otherwise they'd be out of a job. It was sort of like a lightning bolt came down. And then it was like, I felt free. So, right, you must be feel much freer that you don't need approval of anybody. You just need to do great stuff. And if it doesn't work, you do some other stuff until it works. I don't have any need for any investors. And uh, it's what I worked my life for is probably to do this. I didn't think this was my grand plan. My son started the company six or seven years ago. And he's a terrific person and works his butt off, but he needed a CEO. And then I said, gee, I'm going to work now. I'm going to have a job again. So, because uh, I, I have to be busy, I have to work, I have to do and all that. So I love doing. And I love the fashion business. So being at Alex Mills, which is your son, it's a great story. I wear all of his clothes. Um, and, and I'm not saying that because I have to say it. I, a lot of American designers I, I love to wear, but I love to mix and match. But I think what Alex Mills does great is give you the ability to do that. And so is how do you, at that level, and your, your son is dealing with both hip and trend, how do you discover hip and trend, and how do you marry that? It's a, it's a really good question. And uh, <laughs> how do I answer that? You know, going, in other words, if it's too trendy, it's gone. Gone. What you really want, a day in, day out, classics-ish with a twist, my wardrobe is always things that around forever and ever and ever. And I think most men dress pretty much the same way since they were 10 years old. You know, kind of classic-ish, the same thing. Yep. But we are always evaluating the, the life of a garment. You know, it's an art. It's an art, not a science on what has life to it. But for example, this is our number one T-shirt in the company. It's just a blue t-shirt, comes in mm -hmm. six or eight colors. In fact, we had an issue today. The prices uh, of shipping goods, I don't know if your world's affected oh, yeah. by that. Uh, QVC, it's, my pans and pots, oh, it's insane. It, it's a killer. So we went from 45 to $48 on this. And now the accountants here want to raise it to $55. And I said, you raise this to $55 and everyone's going to notice. They're not going to notice other things like this jacket here. Right. They'll notice. So I said, I don't want to change it. I don't want to raise the price. He said, well, the margin's low. I said, let it be low on the number one T-shirt because that's a signal. It's a signal to customers that the prices." were raised, because they're going to remember this. They're not going to remember a few bucks. It's just a call we make. It's very exciting when you ring the register up every day for something customers want. Absolutely. So, you, you know, that's why I micromanage. You got to micromanage. You got to make sure things are right. And take risks, by the way. Uh, always taking a risk. Uh, and if you lose, you lose. Now, the stupid things we did this year were buying too much fleece when we should have figured out with COVID coming to an end, fleece will not be what it was. And everyone was in the fleece business. And we're not a fleece seller. So we ended up owning too much of that. That was a big mistake we made. Uh, but on the classics, uh, we're good at it. 
Well, we have to be good at it. That's what, that's what I've done my whole career, is you know, try to sell things that don't have an expiration date. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. For our third course, I knew Mickey would have unique reflection on what makes a good leader. He was famous at J. Crew for not having his own office, instead using a loudspeaker to congratulate colleagues or just share thoughts about the weather. Even at the pinnacle of his career, giving that personal touch mattered, and I wanted to know why. You know, there's, there's all kinds of schools on leadership. If you, if you click the internet now, there's maybe 2,000 courses on leadership and hip and trending and direction. It's very hard to parse out sort of how you run a business and how you lead people. I know you have a specific way that's pretty unique that's been very good to you even to today. So what would you say is the best way. How do you act like an owner without acting like an owner? 
Well, it's a really good question. You know, I, I can tell you leadership is, it, it's very hard to put it into words. It's hard to explain, but it's having a point of view. It's having a vision. It's sticking with it. It's being able to say to someone, you're not doing a good job, or you got to change this. It's telling them what you think. And it's also having an ability to teach by example. So for me, I could do, I could do the jobs here of, of any buyer, so to speak. I've been practicing my craft for many years. And part <laughs> of my craft is people and, and energy. And, and you feel it. I think, I, I guess you're born with it to a degree. You have to feel the energy and the leadership and the excitement and the passion. And there, by the way, there are people who don't necessarily do that are great leaders. Uh, but I was with Steve Jobs for 16 years and he felt, you felt him feeling it. You felt him and Steve's, you know, people always could criticize Steve, the smartest, uh, most exciting person I've ever worked with in my life. But there's something there that you can't really teach and learn, in my opinion. He, of course, is, is an easy one to choose as the best because he was by far the best. But I think you're turning people on, you're, you're getting them excited, you're leading them forward, you're taking the right risks, and they respect that. And treating people well, needless to say, that goes first. Always, like, like coming to the maitre d'. But I also think what I heard from you is the habit of communicating all the time because I find most people in my world uh, don't communicate well because they're too addicted to the 140 word tweet or small text or simple that. That's not communication. That is telling people your location. It's not communicating. You got to sit down in front of someone and like, let me, sh this is what I feel. And they have to, even if it's inaccurate communication, you need to show someone that I can, I can fail too, but you're going to fail with me and we're both going to learn. Absolutely. And, um, and people also feel BS all the time, or they feel that it's so easy. You, you got to be a bullshit detector always. And most people are that, except I will say growing up, and I tell young people this, I said, forget what the title is. Look at the human being, look at the person and whatever you're thinking about them is true. Because, <laughs> you know, when I started working, I'd see fancy titles, big shots here and big shots there. And you say, gee, I don't get it. I'm not sure why they have this job. Well, you know something? If you think it, you're usually right. And, and I always say, even in business every day, uh, or even picking merchandise, you're usually right. You know who the winners are. You feel it. I did a short stint working for you, and but I, what I knew about you from some of the executives on the team was that you would answer your phone calls all the time yourself, which is almost unheard of. Um, and I wondered like where that came from. It, did it come from sort of like an early sense of connection that you felt was so important that it never left you? Because you do it to this day. I mean, you're very hands-on to the point where it's almost... Like you would call people back when people used to leave messages back yeah. then, you would call them back. Where'd <laughs> well, that come from? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I'll tell you where I, th I think it came from because, you know, we kind of develop into being who we are 
from who we were. And I grew up, you know, kid in the Bronx, you know, not important. But the point was when I started to work uh, and people didn't say hello at work or where I was uh, ignored uh, or things like that. I, I found that I, well, I, I left a message today at seven o'clock this morning, quite important uh, text. And I haven't heard back yet from the CEO of this company. And uh, it tells me so much when I don't hear back from people. And I don't want to be the person who uh, is too important, who ignores someone or who doesn't get back to them. It's very respectful. I don't want to be the person who doesn't uh, say hello to people. Uh, I am who I am. And if I know how I feel when people don't return my calls or they wait a day or two. Uh, and to me, it's just being a mensch. It's doing the right thing. I love that. And I, I so agree with you. And I think that it's really important and this is what Eli Zabart does too. He told me, he said, you know, if you don't, if you don't know your customer, in one split second, they're gone. And if you think they're coming back, you're wrong. You need to treat them like they feel like you're part of the family. Even family messes up, family screws up, and you can screw up. You can screw up many times like I have. And he said, I screw up all the time, but I'm part of a family and those are my customers. And they'll come back and they'll give me another break and another break and another break. And I thought that was, it was austere yet so like it, the perspective is, is rare. And I don't know whether it's a sense of patience or a sense of honesty, but I love his honesty. You're right about customers. And if you respond quick, well, you respond the same way to a customer as you do to a CEO or anyone else, that's the way it should be. And especially with customers, because they're shocked when you answer your phone or you uh, chat with them the second they call, uh, and they tell 50 friends that, wow, the head of this <laughs> big company cares. It is what it is. And I, I'm allergic to rude people. I'm allergic to stores that aren't nice. But uh, restaurants, you know, with attitude, I just will never go back. And, uh, well, you know that. You always had friendly restaurants. It is at some point in time, the business that you're in, which is, I always say, clothes and rags and whatever you want to call it. And my business is the same business. We're wooing customers. We're telling them what to wear and what to eat. And we want them to listen or at least try us. So you can't berate them, right? That's the first step is not to berate them. The first step is to sort of like welcome them and, and like, what do you think, right? Isn't that what you want to hear? It's almost like, I mean, my ex-wife was a, a therapist and I, your wife's a therapist. And yeah. she would always tell me, she said, stop and listen and ask someone what they think. If you do that first, all that shit that they have in their brain goes away momentarily, right? For sure. It's just, just I mean, always be nice. and It, it just works. Always be nice. If you feel it. It, it does work. Yeah. Fake nice doesn't work. I, I didn't mention that the best people to speak to are the staff in the stores or online. I go into the stores. I spent my whole career, I never speak to, I, I listen to what they say in headquarters, but you go into a store where you speak to people, you'll learn more than anything. Listen, tell them what, they, listen to what they say. Uh, and that's true of customers anywhere. You know, uh, there's restaurants I go to 
<laughs> I was in a restaurant the other day, and the guy walks by. I was, he says, how is everything? Well, the bread on my avocado and toast was so hard that it crushed. I needed a saw to, 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 to cut it. <laughs> he says, how is everything? I said, well, to tell you the truth, um, and he walked away. <laughs> Because that's what's called touching a table. They don't want to really hear the truth. Yeah, he didn't want to hear anything. And now when I go in uh, I uh, for avocado toast, I said, toast but no crust, please. He, didn't, he just walked away. It was the funniest thing I've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> and that's because he's been trained not to listen, which is a big deal. I, mean, you, 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 I think you got something right there. You hit it on the head. You listen, you want to hear bad things. Tell me the negative. Of course. Don't tell me everything's fabulous because right. that's bullshit. Right. Just tell me tell me what's wrong. And if you tell someone what's wrong, you correct the problem. That's a customer for life. It's it's a simple equation. Uh, right. I don't care what e- economic stratus you are, if you're 15 or 50 or 75. If someone has a problem, you listen to them and you solve the problem or you apologize. Yep. You know, an apology goes a long way if it's sincere. I think that those habits you said are just, it's so true to who you've always been. You just listen, you treat people well, and you don't ignore the criticism. If I get a letter, if someone sits and writes me a letter, the amount of effort it takes to write a letter is astounding. Yep, that's right. First of all, you have to to not get over your anger. You have to get home, maybe you were buzzed. You have to think about it the next day, then you have to get up and pen a letter. I mean, you better listen to that customer. Right. Oh. And I tell everybody, you respond within 24 hours. You invite them in, fall all over yourself and say, we made a terrible mistake. We're so sorry. Come in as my guest. Bring two extra people. It's on us. Not one time in my 40-year career has that person not become either a friend yep. or the best customer ever. And when I tell that story, they're like, you're kidding me. Aren't you scared? I'm like, what am I scared of? These people, are, they're telling you what's wrong. Right. No, what, it's a favor. What, what, it's a gift. A total You're not paying favor. a consultant to come in and, right? A hundred percent. See, the two, they deal with every return. Right here. We're, we're not a big, we have one store. We have, you know, mostly online. We're opening another store. But uh, they tell, all I have to do is, what are the returns about today? What are people returning? You know, if you find out a pants not fitting and this, that, and the other thing, you got to fix it. It's a hard business. Your business and, and my business, you, you, yours is probably more difficult because you got to be on on every dish, you know? Yeah, but the problem with my business is that stuff, the stuff goes bad in, in two hours. <laughs> it's got to be fresh. <laughs> we, we're like, we're manufacturers. The carrot looks like this when it comes in at five in the morning and it's like this at six. And the next day, there's no more carrots. You got to do it again. Imagine if you have to make the clothes every day. And then you sold out, you got to make them I know. every day. It, it, unbelievable. It, it's, yeah. it, it's tough. It, it's incredible. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade. 
with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. For our fourth and final course, I got to hear what advice Mickey would pass on to the next generation of leaders. And as we kept learning, his world of fashion is not so different from my world of food. What keeps you at the top of the heap? What are, what are some of the things that you know work? You know, hindsight's terrific. Uh, you know, <laughs> <It is. laughs> I, I joined a company at Bloomingdale's. I was really lucky. I had Katie as my boss. Uh, I would say if you can pick your boss, not the corporation per se. You know, when I was a, when I was young, you kind of didn't switch jobs. I did, but most people didn't. Try to choose a great boss who you're going to report to. You can't really do that. It's such a huge difference. Uh, and whether they're not great or great, you're going to learn as much from weak or bad bosses as you will from a good boss. Hmm. And you're going to follow your instinct. Uh, and I was a shy kid. I, I never had a chance to do what I did. But when I got my first job at Bloomingdale's, it was like uh, I was a changed human being because uh, I had a responsibility and I was hugely driven to do well. And so you're going to make yourself successful unless you get into one of these companies where, I don't know if it's hedge funds, where a lot of people have the right jobs and they get very rich, so to speak. Not necessarily successful, but rich. But I think the thing is, try to get into a high-quality company that's driven with good management. And if you don't, you make a mistake, big deal today. And uh, take every interview you can. 
always. I used to do that. Even when I liked my job at Bloomingdale's, every interview, they call me, I want to learn from someone else. I always walked away most of the time saying, where are the people that impress me? And there weren't a lot. Um, do your job, take the risks if you can. You got to suck up a little, I guess, but don't be a wise guy. Don't be a know-it-all. I remember when I was 23 and 22 and with the, I'm going to be vice president of this joint from whoever said it, uh, be humble, be likable. Don't play the competitive card at all for me. You never want, to me, because then you're going to alienate people in a sense. So I was, and by the way, I, don't, I had no reason to play it. I, in hindsight, I did really well in my career, but I never was that guy out there or the woman out there playing the competitive card. Because I think most people are a bit insecure. Good leaders, no matter what they tell you, they're insecure. We're all worried about the next year, the next day. None of us don't worry. I've never seen anyone not worry. So worry about your job every day like it means everything. Uh, and if you get to a point of being bored or I quit Bloomingdale's because I didn't respect who was being promoted. I didn't have great respect for the leadership. I left. Ditto for Macy's. I left. Ditto for A&S. And I guess I was destined maybe not to work for someone, although I always did, and have a skill set. You know, I have to say, if you're a great salesman, you might just be a great salesman, which is okay. I, I happen to be fortunate that I had an intuition about apparel, uh, I, an yeah. instinct, a, a feel. And I also had a vision that uh, Gap would become uh, the affordable version of nice clothes. Because I always said, good clothes don't have to cost anything extra. And that was me. But I always like nice, I like nice things. But you have to be hugely focused also. Focus, mm -hmm. focus, focus. If you're running a piece of a business, just uh, try to eliminate all the wasted stuff you have on your desk. It, you know, the, the books, I don't, I don't read the books. Because you, you, I just don't read the books. I, know. I, I read the people, I listen. And I've learned most from people were good or not good. So, I mean, it's again, all to me comes down to what you're saying is sort of this such a focus on communicating with people every day and they will communicate back by, sort of they inform you what works and what doesn't work without telling you. They just, they buy things because they like the way you think about them. That's what I found. I never cooked for a person, I would cook for myself what I like to eat, what I found delicious and yummy, and I would like explain it and just present it, and then people would, you know, people like to be told what to do. Hundred percent. I, I don't know if that's a, in fashion. They would say, "Tell 100%. me how to eat. Tell me what to drink. Tell me what cocktail beers you're drinking, and I'll be happy with that." And I and I find that it was almost very easy to satisfy people if you have this sense of vision, but it has to be really kind of homespun. And if you just stick to it, you're going to catch a lot of people. And I, I know you as a person in this incredible retail business, but I also know you as a person who loves the the pace of restaurants, right? That well, certain, yeah. je ne sais quoi, that, that like zeitgeist of walking into a restaurant that's busy and buzzing and happy. And 100%. It's like, you feel I want to be a part yeah. of this. You feel it the second you go in. Uh, the second and, you go in. Yeah, you do. You feel it. And of course, 
The front desk has got to be nice and gracious, or else you feel that too. I felt that when I used to go into the old Barney's downtown. I felt it was the same thing. And that's why I love fashion so much, because I think it so mirrors our world of food, my world of food, uh, because we just recreate food from 20 years ago, every 20 years or 25 years ago. And I feel fashion, there's a lot of parallels, don't you think? Oh, fashion uh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's like absolutely. French bistros now are all the rage, right? And French bistros have been around since God knows when. Mm. And now it's like on fire, which I find like- Wild. Kind of wonderful because it, a 20 year old discovering that never saw it. So why isn't that great, right? Yeah. So speaking of food, yeah. how do you stay? How do you stay fit? What do you eat? What you, I know you you love uh, uh, Italian coffee shops, but what what do you what do you do to stay fit? I go to Soul Cycle every morning at seven a.m. That's amazing. Uh, uh, that's what I do every morning. I do that, come rain or shine. Uh, and I'm also the godfather of Soul, so that helps. <laughs> that's my that's my official title uh and oh I, my god i do that every day and and i watch what i eat now like crazy and i had a this thing it's interesting about two weeks ago i'm sitting next to a woman at dinner who knew a lot about cancer and everything else she sees me put the Splenda in and she says don't you dare have artificial sweetness i never met this woman and then she starts giving me some bad news on artificial sweeteners. I stopped drinking Diet Coke that next day. Oh, yeah. I grew up on cream soda, yeah. root beer, and cola with a stevia. That's what I drink. That's my food. And I just try to eat light, try to not eat lunch if I can. And I don't try to eat a lot of food. I have a weakness on ice cream. I love <laughs> ice cream. But <laughs> I work okay. out and I watch my weight. And that's what you got to do. Well, you're entitled to like, I mean, it's good to have a little ice cream. I think I love cream ice is a good... cream. I could have, I could eat it all day long. Mickey, thank you so thank much. You. Have a fantastic day. Say hello. I'll see you real soon. I appreciate your time. This was fun. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks very much for listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian, a production of iHeartRadio and Corner Table Entertainment. Four Courses is created by Jeffrey Zakarian, Margaret Zakarian, Jared Keller, and Tara Halper. Our executive producer is Christopher Hesiotis. Four Courses is produced by Jonathan Hawes Dresler. Our research is conducted by Jesselyn Shields. Our talent booking is by Pamela Bauer at Dogtown Talent. This episode was edited and written by Priya Madhavan and mixed by Joe Tisdall. Special thanks to Katie Feldman for help as recording engineer. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.